Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about Ezekiel today, going to the book of Ezekiel. And uh, back before smartphones, you used to have to tell everybody how to find Ezekiel. And that was, that was always a little bit of a challenge. But uh, it's real easy today. We'll, and be glad. If you go to the Sundays page, you can actually click on the scriptures there and look. But we're going to have them on the screen here in just a moment. But let me tell you a little bit about Ezekiel, okay? Uh, Ezekiel was weird, or, okay? He was, he was weird. And all prophets are weird. So since he was a prophet, he was weird. You know, you just got to be a little, you know, the, the people that hear from God all the time, they're a little weird, aren't they? You know, everybody thinks they're weird, right? They look at them, you're, you're just kind of weird. The people that get things done, I, I fully believe this. I believe it's the weird people that get things done. Because the people that just want to fit in and just want to, you know, they, they, they want to be just like everybody else, don't want anybody to notice or whatever, they don't get a lot done. It's the, it's the weird people. It's the people who are willing to be out there and out front. Ezekiel was one of those. I, I Just go to Ezekiel sometime this afternoon. I encourage you to go there and, and just flip through your Bible or flip through on your, on your smartphone and just read the first verse of every chapter. And you just see, after a few chapters, you'll get what I'm talking about. Is he, just kept, he just kept hearing from God. God just kept telling him things, taking him places, showing him things in his mind. He was giving him visions and, and, then, and then telling him, this is what this means, this is what this means, this is what this means. And you know, sometimes that's, that's, that's a little weird, but that's okay. It's okay. It's all right to do that, all right? So this is who Ezekiel was. And so we're going to Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to be, this, this, this one chapter is about one of those visions that God gives him where he sees something. So verse one, the hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel is saying, and God brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. So this is a vision that he is seeing and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, I don't know what you see when you, when you picture this, and I'm, I'm you know, a visual person. I picture, I, I'm reading scripture, especially something like this. I mean, he's trying to paint us a picture. I'm looking at this, and so I'm seeing this valley of bones. And I'm thinking, how did they get there, right? Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we, we read scripture, and we read the scripture, and we just start there, and we hurry through it so fast, we forget there's a backstory of how it gets there. And I think that's why a lot of people never are able to relate scripture to their own life circumstance because they see this. And I mean, if I just read through the rest of the chapter right now, you'd say, wow, glad God did it for him. I don't see how God can do it for me. But there is a backstory. There is, there's a lot of stuff that happened to get to this place, right? I mean, bones just didn't end up on a valley floor. There was something happened. And I, I believe because we get a hint in a few verses down in just a few moments, you'll, you'll maybe remember this when you see it. I believe we get a little hint of who these people are. But I just believe, you know, something catastrophic happened in this valley. And I just kind of believe it, you know, it sounds like a battle to me. There was a battle and uh, people were killed, people died. And uh, they ended up on this, on this valley floor, you know, th they were died there. And so what this was, is th this was the remains of the defeated. These are the ones who didn't make it out of the valley. Mm. Sound, sounds familiar to anybody? These are the ones who were there and, and didn't get out of the battle alive. This is the remains of the defeated. These are the remains of the defeated. And some of you may feel like that's all you are, is you're just the remains of what has been defeated in your life. But I encourage you, let me go ahead and set you up right here. This to me is a sermon about hope. And I pray that if you don't have any hope right now, that you leave here with some hope today. That God wants you to have hope. 
Okay, so now Ezekiel goes on and he describes this just a little bit more. Verse 2. He says, uh, and God led me back and forth among these bones, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. So if you feel like this is who you are, you're just the remains of what's been defeated in your life, that's, that's all that's there anymore. Or maybe, you know, not every part of your life is that way, but maybe just one part. One part of your life is dead, destroyed, empty, gone, past the point of no return or whatever. If you feel like that, here, I got good news for you. This valley was full of bones. You are not alone. There are people, and people even sitting here with you, many people sitting here with you, that they feel exactly like that. That there are parts of their life, there, there are things that maybe they've done in their past or that have been done to them in their past, and now it's just destroyed. There's just, they just can't get past it anymore. And there are people, so there are people just like that right here in this room as well. So you aren't alone. Okay. But then he goes on and says, these bones were very dry, not just dry, but very dry. So that tells me these bones have been here a while. They've been there a while. So the battle took place. These soldiers, these men, they were, they were killed and, and they fell to the ground and, and then the wild beasts, I don't know what kind of wild beasts they had uh, back you know, in that particular area right there. You know, I don't know, but uh, this past week, Deva asked me what a feral hog was and she was reading something, I guess, on, on Facebook. And, and so I explained what a feral hog was and she said, she said and we have those in Gardell, it's time to move. <laughs> so when I explained what that was, I, I don't know if they had feral hogs or what they had, and, but whatever wild beasts they had, they came in and they began to rip apart the bodies. They tore at the flesh. They tore at the muscle. They ate the organs. Not a pretty picture, is it? But when your life is destroyed, it's not a pretty picture, is it? And, and, and these animals, they licked the blood. They lapped it up. And when they were done doing all the damage that they could do, then, then the vultures came in, right? And they picked and picked and picked. Oh, does anybody feel picked? They picked into, into the nooks and the crannies in between all of the, uh, y'all know what nooks and crannies are? I don't really know what they are, but it's something that I've heard all my life. But the nooks and the crannies, right? And, and they're eating the marrow even in the joints of the bone. And just picking and picking and picking until the bones were very dry. And then the sun began to beat down on them, drying them out even more and more, bleaching them white. And so this now, this is, this is where we find uh, the situation at this point. It's like there is a long backstory. And for some of you, there is a long backstory. There are some of you that your marriage is in trouble. There's a backstory. For me to say, hey, your marriage was in trouble. It's been rescued. That doesn't tell the whole story. And sometimes we hurry through all, we hurry through this and we don't realize how this relates. It relates because there is a backstory to everything. If you have financial problems, it didn't happen overnight and you've been struggling with it for a while. You may have been there a while and there's a backstory of how you got there. There's a backstory. And so, so understand there is a backstory to this, but it doesn't matter how deep the backstory is. It doesn't matter how, how long the backstory is. It doesn't matter how bad the backstory is. This one's pretty bad. I mean, there ain't nothing left but some old, dead, dry bones. But it isn't, it hasn't, it's not yet too far gone for God to rescue and to bring life again. And so verse three, 
God asks Elijah, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, he asked me, son of man, and I, I like how he says that. He says, son of man. He could have just, hey, Ezekiel. He, or he could have called him, hey, my son. But he called him son of man. And I don't believe God wastes a lot of words. Okay? And, and so right here he says, son of man. I think he's telling him something. He's reminding him who he is. You're just a son of man. You are not me. You are not, God said, you are not me. You don't have my power. You need me. That's going to be important in a little bit. Hang on to that right here, okay? So he says, son of man. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Sovereign Lord, you know, you alone know. Can these bones live? The first question to resolve in your heart is if these bones can live. Before we go any further, before you get to a place of where God can, can, bring, can bring life back to you, you've got to answer that question. What do you believe? And I see some doubt here in, in, in Ezekiel. I see some doubt because he doesn't say yes. Doesn't say no, but he doesn't say yes. And he really leans toward, I mean, he's really pushing the fact that, hey, you're sovereign. You alone know, but he doesn't say yes. I, 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 think, I think Jeff has said this a, a few times, whether it's just me and him talking or, or in service. I remember just Jeff saying that, you know, that God is so big. God is so amazing. God is so sure of who he is. God is not blown away by our doubt. If you got a little doubt, it's okay. You can go ahead and speak that to him. Even the disciples told Jesus, hey, we believe, but help our unbelief. And here Ezekiel saying, you're sovereign. You, are, you know, and you alone know, so he is telling him, I know, you know, and really the question is not, can he? I think most of us, the question for us is, will he? And so that's the first thing you've got to resolve. Do you believe that your bones can live again? Because these bones were his bones. If we skip down to verse 11, and we're going to skip down and come right back in just a moment. Verse 11, God explains something. He says, now, Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. So he's explaining to him who, who the bones are, no doubt. And Ezekiel, he's an Israelite. He's a Jew. He's a Hebrew. So these are your bones too. Ezekiel, this is you guys. This is your nation. And, and Israel says, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. And we are cut off. It's like they're saying, we're, it's over for us. There is no hope. There, there can be no nothing, nothing else anymore or whatever. It, it, it's over for us. He's asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And maybe Ezekiel being the prophet and thinking about all the bad stuff that they happened, he said, now God, I, I know that they can. I just don't know if you're going to do it or not because you prophesied all these other things through me as well. I don't know what go, is going on through his mind, but, but Israel is definitely like, they've lost hope. They said, our hope is gone. And if that's where you are today, you've got to stir yourself and, and, and restore, and you've got to resolve this question, can my bones live? It's not about somebody else's bones today, it's about can my bones live? Can my defeat be restored to victory again? Can, can, can my strength come back? Can I have his breath? Can I have his life? Can I have it all again? We've got to resolve that first. And then in verse 4. Verse four, uh, he said to me, uh, Ezekiel says, God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I told you Ezekiel was a little weird, right? Okay, now this was a dream, vision, something like that, right? So, so Ezekiel isn't just standing over a bunch of dry bones yelling over the valley. Hey, dry bones, listen, God's got something to tell you. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Okay, he, had, he you know, God said, do it, in, you know, do it in this vision. He showed it to him in the vision. And so, but that would be kind of weird, was that? Well, Ezekiel was weird. 
Do you remember last week? If you missed last week's message, you've got to go back to the podcast. You've got to hear this, okay? Because there's a couple of very important things that this sermon builds on top of, and you've missed that part. So go back and hear that if you can. In that sermon, I told you at the close of that message, I told you what you need to start doing is you need to start, and I didn't use this word, but I, I was telling you, you need to start prophesying. You need to start saying Jesus is Lord over and whatever it is, whatever that place of your life that is destroyed, whatever ever that place in your life that is empty, that is dead, that is dry, that has been beaten, that has been whipped, that has been killed, that the, the wild beasts have ripped you apart, you've been picked clean and now dried out by the sun and there is no hope left. Whatever that place in your life is, you need to start saying Jesus is Lord over this place. When you go home, you need to get into, go into your house and say, Jesus is Lord of this house. If there are problems in your home, you need to start declaring that Jesus is Lord over this. And, and, and I know it sounds, uh, it sounds like sometimes and we, it looks like that God isn't in charge because somebody else is in charge. But that was from the message last week. Is, and that's why you need to hear it if you, if you missed it last week. If you were here, you remember that even if when it looks like somebody else is in charge, God is still in charge. And, and, he, and he says, go, go speak to them the words that I said to them. And you, know, I don't, you may say, but I don't even know what to say to those situations. This is one thing you can always say is Jesus is Lord over this. Regardless of who thinks they are in charge, Jesus is Lord over this situation. And you may, some of you may have felt, well, that's kind of weird to say Jesus is going to my house and stand there and say, well, Jesus is Lord over this house. Okay, go ahead. Just be a little weird for a moment and be a prophet and say, from this point on, Jesus is going to be Lord over this house. You know, I need to be just a little, little weird and prophesy because that's the first thing you can do about your situation. You know, you know, I know what some of you think. You know, no, the first thing I do, the very first thing that happens in any situation hits me, first thing I know to do is I know to worry. Some of you guys are really good at it, right? Come on, amen or oh me. And you think, man, I am good at worry. I got, that, I got that down to a science, to an art. I can worry with the best of them. I can write the best Facebook post and worry about everything and tweet and whatever, you know. And everybody knows all the stuff I'm worrying about. But you hadn't fixed a thing by your worry, have you? The very first thing you can do about your situation is start prophesying and start saying, no matter what it looks like, it doesn't matter who thinks they're in charge, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, Jesus is Lord over this situation. So start prophesying. Go ahead, be just a little weird this afternoon. Wherever that is, your checkbook is a mess, go get it out and just say, Jesus is Lord over this checkbook. Just start prophesying, okay? And uh, let's go on, what do we have? Verse uh, eight, yeah. Uh, so the next, the verses we just skipped there, he begins to prophesy. And he says what God has told him. And then Ezekiel says, I looked and tendons appeared on these bones. Y'all know what tendons are? The tendons and the ligaments that, you know, connect the bones, they connect. They bring everything together. They, 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 they make everything fit and lock in, you know, and you, you might not really know how that works unless you've ever had a tendon or a ligament tear. You know, I had ACL, man, about, man, getting close to 30 years ago, I guess, I had an ACL tear playing, playing church softball and ripped my ACL just completely. But I went to my GP. And uh, he did an x-ray and, you know, torn ligaments don't really show up on x-rays that well. So he just, hey, you just got fluid on your knee. I'll just draw it off. Sent me back to playing church softball. So I go back playing church softball. I'm out of, I'm sorry, 
probably only only you sports nuts are going to really enjoy this analogy, but uh, hey, you know, some of us are really struggling because it's not football season, so we just need one every once in a while. Somebody say amen here and help me out. Amen. All right, so uh, I go back out. I'm I'm in center field, and uh, there's a runner on second base. Okay, so some of you starting is starting to build, isn't it? Okay, just runner on second base, and I'm in I'm in center field. The batter hits a hard line drive up the middle. I'm digging, man. I'm running. I'm come upside it, swoop, you know, just swoop with my glove, pick it up, big old roundhouse throw. And when I stepped down on this leg, I don't know what happened, but the ligament wasn't there. And I didn't know that, but it was like, it was like my leg disappeared and I just went flat on my face. Flat on, I mean, it's like, it's like there was a hole there and when I planted, there was nothing there. And I just went, I, I wish somebody had video of it. Just, I would like to see how my leg bent, you know, to get, to get out from under me. I mean, it, it had to look grotesque. It had to look bad. I, I, I just can't imagine that it bending anyway without ripping skin and, and, and muscle and everything. I know it's a little gross, but I mean, I can't imagine where in the world it went, you know, because th- that's what the lack of tendons will do. It lets everything be just totally disconnected and all that. But I know the most important question, you, especially you sports nuts have, is what? Okay, so I'll tell you. <laughs> And so I'm laying there on my face, and I, I raise up to look, and I, you know, nothing's hurting. I mean, unless you tear something else, it doesn't hurt anymore. So I mean, nothing's hurting. I didn't know what happened. I raise up, and I look, and the ball goes, and bounces one time perfectly to the catcher. Boom, tag, and he's out. So yeah, I, you have to work those in every once in a while, right? And uh, so I had to, had, had, had to pull that one in today. Tendons connect. That's, that's what they do. They connect without them. You know, what, you know how we would look walking around today? Even with your muscles, okay, you can kind of hold it together a little bit, but you're going to be wobbly. Tendons connect. But then he says also, flesh appeared. And that's the muscle, you know, the, the flesh, the muscle, the meat. That started appearing. The tendons make it come together, kind of like a puzzle. The tendons make it come together and they fit but even if it fits, I'm speaking to somebody right here, even if it fits, that doesn't mean it works. So if the puzzle fits, it don't got any muscle, it ain't working. So there's some, some things that fit, but they don't work. Mm. There's some relationships that fit, but they don't work. All right, now, I, I, I told y'all a long time ago that I, I heard an old preacher one time say, when people get quiet, that means, you, that means you're really hitting them where they live, so you need to nail them to the wall. So don't get too quiet on me. Just because it fits doesn't mean it works. You need God to help you make it work. And to bring the strength, to bring the muscle that is there. And then he sees that it begins to be covered with skin. I don't have a lot of time here, but in my, my thinking and progression about what, what is the skin symbolizing and all this, new skin is coming on these bodies. There, it is not he's bringing the old skin back. The old skin is in some animal's belly, you know, that's already miles from here or whatever. He is bringing new skin. And when new skin comes in, you know what that tells me? There are no more sores. There are no more scars. Yesterday, all those scars from yesterday, those are all gone. There is a healing, a complete healing. These things are healthy. When, when God heals, God heals completely. I mean, that's what he did. He healed, and it was, it was like, it's like scars. All of that is gone. And so God brings connection. He brings strength. He brings healing. But there was no breath. There was no breath in them. The Hebrew word there for breath is rock or something like that. I don't know. I can't. Or ruach. That's it. Ruach. It's R-U-A-C-H in the, the English spelling of that. And I don't speak Hebrew, okay? Uh, but 
I just kind of looked it up just so I know exactly kind of how to pronounce it to you a little bit so we could use the word a little bit. But that word, it, it can mean spirit, breath, or wind. Now here he's talking about breath because, and, and so Ezekiel's talking about the breath that is, these bodies don't have any breath in them. In a few moments, and we're not going to read this verse, but in a few moments, uh, God's going to say, call the breath. And so it's like, he, it's like God's using that to say, call the wind, okay? Like he's thinking about that. So it's like relating both things, the breath and the wind. Call the wind to blow into these. But there's also, and you'll see this in just a few moments, we will read this, these verses of scripture, you will see where, where it's also used for spirit, and a capital S as in God's spirit. And so he's talking about they have no breath, they have no wind, they have no spirit. God says, call the wind, like from the four corners of the earth, call the, the spirit of God to come into these and to breathe my spirit in them. Because even if it fits, and even if it works, and even if your yesterday is healed, you still need the spirit of God. One of the most dangerous things a Christian can learn is how to get by without the spirit of God. Think about that a moment. One of the most dangerous things a pastor can learn is how to preach without the Spirit of God. One of the most dangerous things you can learn is to pray without the Spirit of God. Man, because then all, all, all it's becoming is dialogue then. I mean, really monologue. Because you're talking to God without the Spirit of God. There is nothing. Is, we need the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God because without the Spirit of God, there is no life. Life comes through the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, all it is is it just fits. Oh, this church is a good fit for me. Oh, yeah, th this, is, this relationship is working in my life. Oh, you know, God has touched me and I've been healed from my past, but what about, what about this point from this point forward is there's more that you need, we need, I need the Spirit of God. And it is dangerous. And, and, and the longer you stay in, in, in a state of defeat or in a state of battle, the longer you stay there, one of the things that, things that happens is you begin to learn, especially when those times when you pray and, and you don't feel something or you don't hear something from God or you don't feel like you're getting anywhere with God. When, when you have those times, the more and more you have them, what you learn to do is you start learning to cope. You don't learn to cope. You need some hope. You don't learn to cope, and we don't need to cope, but that's what happens to us. We begin learning to cope without having to have the Spirit of God in our lives anymore. And, and, and if you started learning that, stop learning it right now. Stop it. Don't ever learn that again. And this morning, say it again. I need the Spirit of God in my life. Because look at, look at what is it, verse, uh, verse 10. Uh, so I prophesied, Ezekiel said, as God commanded me, and breath entered them. And when breath entered them, when, 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 when the wind entered them, when the Spirit entered them, they came to life. Without the Spirit, there is no life. Go back to Genesis, that when God created Adam, what did he do? He breathed into him. And, and, and when he breathed into him, he became a living soul. So it, it may fit, it may work, you may be healed from your yesterday, but without the Spirit of God. So we need to do what, what, what God told Ezekiel to do, is to, is to prophesy and call. Call for the Spirit. We need to call for the Spirit of God to our lives again. God, I don't just want it to fit. I don't want it to just work. I, I don't want to just be healed. I want the Spirit of God in me and call to the Spirit of God. And I've called this morning. I've called and I've asked God to bring the Spirit of God into, into the lives that would be here today. We need the Spirit of God. We don't just need to figure it out. 
We need him for the parts we can't figure out. And we need him for the parts we figured out and we figured out that we can't handle it by ourselves. We need God for these things. And so let's call for the spirit of God into our lives today. Because they, they are what brings life. But it doesn't end there, does it? And they stood up on their feet. I, I, I made myself like a mental note, but I, I didn't want to make this like I'm going to say this today because I finished this sermon, wrapped it up uh, on Thursday, but yesterday going through it one more time, yesterday evening going through it one more time, I just, I just heard God say, and I'm not saying with these ears, but I heard God say, I heard God say this, and this is for somebody. And I, had, I wasn't going to say this unless I just felt like this moment God was speaking to me and telling me to say this to somebody. But somebody needs to hear this. Hear this right now. Is God is saying, I am going to make you stand back up. I'm going to bring you back up to stand. Some of you have been knocked flat, and you've been, and you've been laying there, and you, you, don't, you don't know that you can ever stand again. And God says, I'm going to make you stand again. You hear that, someone, because something of your life has has been defeated, it's been destroyed, it's been killed, it's been dead, it's been picked, it's it's been eaten, it's been wiped away, you're without hope there, but God says, I am going to make you stand again. He wants to to stand you back up. And then the last of that, what does it say? It says he's going to make you an army. See, that's why I think these guys were probably soldiers in the first place. He made them a vast army. I'm going to tell you something. Every part of life out there is going to have some kind of battle, some kind of situation, some struggle, some something that is there. If you're not willing to fight, you're going to be whipped. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be knocked down all the time. If you're not, if you're not a soldier, you've got to be a soldier. But you don't have to win. Jesus has already won. All you have to do is show up as a soldier. Show up armed. Pull out your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he says. And just use the word of God. You just, but you have to be the warrior. And, and you know, Satan doesn't care if your life starts coming together. He doesn't care if it begins to work. He doesn't even care if you get healed over your yesterday, as long as you don't become a warrior. He's scared of you when you become a warrior. He's scared of you. As I said last week, you know, Satan knows Jesus is Lord over everything. He just doesn't know if you know. And Satan's scared when you begin to know what your place is in the power and the spirit of God. And he wants to make you, God wants to make you a vast army. Why? Watch this. Verse 12, 13, and 14. Therefore prophesy and say to them. So God says, Ezekiel, I need you to prophesy and say this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, somebody, somebody, man, this just, this just jumped all over me right this moment. Not any time earlier in, in preparation and in study, not in the early service, but right now, this just jumped all over me. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, I was going to make this point, but, but this is really climbing all over me right now. You've been hearing what everybody else says. You've been thinking what you, you've been, you know, that worry stuff I was talking about earlier. You've been worrying and you've been worrying about all that and letting all that. You need to hear, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You need to hear what the sovereign Lord says. And that, you know, the, it doesn't matter. When the sovereign Lord speaks, it doesn't matter which king is sitting on the throne. It doesn't matter whose name is written on the deed. It doesn't matter who is making all the rules and who is passing all the laws. When the sovereign Lord speaks, and if you didn't hear that sermon last week, you got to hear that point in that sermon about when the sovereign Lord speaks, he turns, he even turns the king's minds. He changes things because he is sovereign over everything and he makes all the decisions. Somebody else may make the rules, but God makes all the decisions. He's the one that does this. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
And whatever's stirring in your heart right now, Whatever, the, whatever hope is beginning to, to blossom in you, that, that maybe it can be that, that something amazing is going to, maybe it can be that God is going to make me stand up again and he's going to make me an army able to fight my battles. Whatever hope that is stirring within you, that's what the sovereign Lord is speaking to you right now. And you understand, that's the sovereign Lord who is speaking. And so he says, listen to me, Bones. This is what the sovereign Lord says, my people. God calls us his people. I am going to open your graves. Somebody said that a rut is just a grave with both ends knocked out, you know? And the only difference in a grave and a rut then is the person in the grave is laying down, but the person in the rut, they're walking, but they're still in the same place. They're still, they're still like six feet deep. They're still in a grave. They're just walking. They're like a dead man walking. They're still dead, but they're just still moving around, okay? And some of you, you're, you're still like in your graves. And, and look what God says. Here, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to bring you out of them. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And what he's speaking to there is he's speaking to promise. Israel, when he's talking about the, bringing to the land of Israel, that was what they called the promised land, okay? So he's talking about, I'm going to bring you back to the promise. And then you, my people, will know that I, that I am the Lord when I open your graves and I bring you up from them. When all this happens, then you're going to know, okay? Like you're having faith, you're trying to believe, and you're saying, only you, sovereign Lord, know we believe, help our unbelief. But when, when God does this thing, then you are going to know that he is who you believe he is. And uh, he says, I will put my spirit in you. I'm going, to put, I'm going to breathe that breath in you so that you will have that strength and you will live and I will settle you. I will settle you. We need some settling today. I talk to some people and every week it is something different. I'm going to do this this week, and I'm going to try this, and next week I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this, and the next week they're trying something else. That's the problem. You know, you need to quit trying something, and you need to settle. This is what God has called me to be, to do, to be part of, and I'm going to do it. I mean, I actually know people that every other week, they're getting divorced. Every other week. It's like one week, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm settled in my marriage, and next week, I don't know about it, Pastor. Yeah, I know people like that. It ain't ever going to work. We need some settling. We need God to settle us. And you know, and, and we just start there with our marriages, okay? You know, what you've got to do is you've got to put your feet down and say, God has settled me right here. And I made promises before him and before other people that this was it. This was the one. And I am settling this and I'm making this right here happen. But it goes on beyond that. It's not just in that. It's in everything else. Whatever decisions, whatever things you are, you need to make up your mind today. And this is where God has put me. This is what he's called me to do. These are the amazing things that God wants to do through me. And he has settled me right here and every day. And, it, and, and you need to make that decision. And tomorrow morning when you get up, there are going to be more problems. I I guarantee it sometime this week you're going to have a problem but your problem tomorrow or next week has nothing to do with the place that God has settled you because you know where he settled you look he says I will settle you in your own land and he's talking about the promises that he made to Israel but I'm giving you your own promises I'm going to settle you in those promises what you've got to do is you got to make up your mind God has settled me here and I got some promises right here and tomorrow morning when I get up regardless of what what comes my way and matter what circumstances are on their way to me and no matter what hits me and what battles I face I am settled I'm standing here because this is the place of my promise and this is coming against me it's going to pass but my promise will never pass because it is a promise that is from God and it 
is for today and it is for tomorrow and it is for forever because God has given me this and you need to make up your mind and you need to just settle that because God has settled you somewhere for your promise. And if you hadn't got that yet, you need to let him do that. You need to let him settle. We need, boy, we need some settling in this, in this world today, especially in this culture. We need some settling. God, show me who I am and what I have in you. Settle that within my mind, and then you remain settled. Can I ask you to do something? Would you join me at the front, please? If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song, and if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. So please, come on, if you will. Prayer team members, come around front, if you will, and get real visible. Amen. Step on in just a little bit. We got people, we'll get everybody out of the aisle. Make sure they, they feel like they're part of us today. Amen. Let somebody help you prophesy this morning that Jesus is Lord over this situation. I, I got one more slide we're going to throw up in just a second up there on the screen. And I want to read through, and we're going to kind of, in a way, we're going to hurriedly review just what we talked about, because, you see, God's going to do a lot of things for you, but then you've got to do something with what he does for you, or you're going to lose it. It's going to just come and go. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe now you're realizing, oh, well, that's why it didn't stay. Yeah, it doesn't stay if we don't do something with it. And as I'm reading through these, I'm believing that there's going to be a couple of three, four, maybe the whole list for you, some things that you need to do. Because there's some errors in your life. And let me tell you, one of, the, one of the first things you need to do is you need to make that decision. This prayer team would love to pray with you today. If you're sick in body, we want to pray with you. If you've got a financial need, we want to pray with you. You need a job, we want to pray with you. And, and when you come, we believe in that scripture. Jesus spoke it. He said, if, if to agree concerning anything, in my name, I will do it. It will be done of my Father in heaven. My Father will do it if you believe it and you speak it in my name. Jesus said that. We believe that. And whatever area of your life is that dry bones area, or maybe that area of your life that's beginning to fit, maybe it's fit, maybe you've even got a little strength there, but it's not life yet. You need the life. Come on. You listening to me? Uh, you, I mean... Y'all know some of y'all, I could call you by name, couldn't I? And I don't do that kind of thing around here, do I? Normally? No, I don't ever. But I can call you by name because we know what we're talking about here. Right? Listen. So in just a moment, I want to read through this, and I, and I want you to get it, and I want, you to, I want you to let us pray with you today. So, okay, you know, if you have to stand in line and wait on one of these prayer team members, whatever you have to do, but I, I want you to let us pray with you today. Let me, let me show you this last thing. God's going to do his part. God will give us breath, but we must prophesy. Let us prophesy with you today. God will give us tendons, but we must connect. No man's an island. God will give us muscle, but we must stand. God will fill us with his spirit, but we must operate in his spirit. God will give us life, but we must live it. God will make us an army, but we must fight. We don't have to win. He's already won, but we have to fight. God will prove himself, but we must decide that we know that we know that we know that we know he is exactly who he said he is. God will open our graves, but we must walk out and leave them behind. 
and never return to them. God will bring us up and out, but we must stay there. Stay there. God will settle us, but we must remain resolved that this is my place. And God will lead us to our promise, but we must possess it. All right, what, which two or three or four of those? I think it's probably already up on the face, church's Facebook page. We didn't put it on Sunday's page because I didn't want you to read that until just right now in service. But it's there on the Facebook page. I dare you, I challenge you, go get a screenshot of it so you can save this. Whatever God spoke to you in that list right there, wherever he spoke to you, you need to listen to that. We'd love to pray with you over that right now. Bow with me if you will. And uh, when you're comfortable, please move this way. We'd love to pray with you. We want to see God not just make it fit, not just make it work. We want to see God bring life. We want to see God make you a soldier that can whip every enemy that you face this next week. For God to settle you in your promise and for life to come to your promise. God, I pray in Jesus' name.